This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! That's right, and this podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. Jump on there if you have not already. Uh, you can use BeatSource Link to DJ from the cloud. We've got our playlist constantly being updated. We've got the 20 playlist with 20 dope new tracks every week, as well as all the different genres uh, being put together by our amazing curator. So jump on there. If you want a 60-day free trial, use the code the 20 to get 60 days free, T-H-E-T, uh, oh, I can't even talk, T-H-E-2-0, that's the code. Check that out, let me know if you got any questions, comments, ideas, innovations, whatever you got. Uh, thank you guys for listening, please rate and review the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, that helps us grow the show, get bigger, get better, keep doing it, um, hit me up if you want to on Instagram, at DJ Spider, send me a D, uh, DM, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R is the letters to type into that application for you. Um, yo, Beat Sourcers, thank you. Thank you for everything and the support. I am back on the road doing shows, and it feels good. I was in Boston on Thursday at Underground. Had such a great time, great crowd. I was in Las Vegas this Saturday. It was nuts in Vegas. I got to play at Tao Nightclub. Shout to the whole Tao group family i had such a great time playing there again and uh being with everybody and thanks to everybody that came out we even had some podcast listeners that came in to the booth and said yo i listen to the podcast big fan so thank you guys for coming out i really appreciate that uh it was amazing to meet you in person finally if you do come to a gig please don't be afraid come say hi to me or if you want to come to a gig and i'm in your city hit me up and i will make sure you get taken care of um, all right, you guys, on to the guest of the day. Today, we have got an incredible producer and DJ, somebody who knows about as much as pro wrestling as sound design, and his sound design is amazing, some of the best in the game, so that says a lot. Recently, he was the first ever DJ to spin at WWE in Las Vegas as part of Summer Slam. Um, you know, I think it was like his dream come true, and it was amazing to watch. He has massive records that are played by tons of DJs all around the world. He plays sold-out shows at legendary venues in his hometown of L.A., as well as touring the world and collaborating with other incredible artists, uh, just to name a few, Diplo, Nitty Gritty, Dylan Francis, Alice in Wonderland. Um, we just talked about their show at Red Rock. So much amazing stuff. His stories are legendary, which you will find out on this show. And it is an honor to have him on this podcast and get to know him. Please welcome Valentino Khan. We got Valentino Khan on the show today. How you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm back uh, playing shows, touring, and... Uh feeling good overall hell yeah i love love to hear that well um i'm a i'm a fan of your music your music production your remixes all that um i know we're like in different worlds somewhat as djs but um i still get to play a lot of your shit at my gigs so um i appreciate it yeah no thank you man um i try to keep all my records like kind of versatile when i'm when i'm playing out and uh yeah it it uh it it really always means a lot to me when I can get like the support of my peers and stuff, you know, when I'm playing. Yeah, totally. Um, and so you're back, uh, you're in LA right now at your studio. Yeah, I'm in LA, uh, just at the studio. And, uh, like I said, it feels good to be touring again, working on new music, all the above basically. Yeah, totally. I mean, I saw you just recently like done some really crazy uh, dope next level shit like um, playing at the WWE. Uh, probably you're the first yeah. DJ ever to play a gig yeah. like that, right? Yeah, which is a, a, an incredible honor and it, it's really dope. And um, <clears throat> just was a surreal experience overall to be able to be playing over there. And um, I just had the the best time. And my one goal is just not to get booed. 
and I, I didn't get booed. I got cheered. So I was like, okay, great. Like, right. that's great. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, um, I guess yeah, if you're going to get um, booed, like you could be the bat, the villain. <laughs> and then, oh, then it's I, okay. I fully plan on if that was going to happen. Like, <laughs> then it is what it is. I'm going right. to, I'm going to play into it, but yeah. That's so dope. So it was like, it was SummerSlam for everyone that doesn't know. And it was a pay-per-view WWE event. And uh, like, what did you play? I saw you were on the mic. Like, what did you play? And when did you play? Um, So I played right before the the first match. Um, And uh, I played like a good mix of like, uh, of like, you know, hip hop and pop music with, with like dance music and stuff. And, um, probably a little similar to my Vegas sets to be honest. And, um, and then I also mixed in like a bunch of WWE themes and stuff. I made edits of them and stuff like that. So, So uh, that was a really, uh, interesting, fun process that I never thought I would be doing, but I like, yeah. And preparing for the show, it's just like going through old, old theme songs and be like, what works or what and all that, you know? So it was definitely, uh, something that was really unique for me. That's so dope. And it's crazy how so many things like come full circle like that. Like you grew up in LA, you're born and raised, right? That's right. Yeah. And so, and also you grew up loving wrestling and I'm sure probably the Lakers judging from your background and the jacket. And everything. Yeah, um, exactly. And- it wasn't hard to guess that. No. <laughs> and I know like you've, you know, done shows with, I don't know if you've collaborated on music, but you've done shows with Shaq, right? Yeah. That was, uh, that was really cool. Cause like, you know, I, uh, I mean, I literally grew up watching him and Kobe, right. uh, play every day and Crazy. every night, you yeah. know? And, um, then one day he just hits me up out of the blue, like, yo, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your music and like this, this, and this. And I was like, Whoa, it was, it was, it was really, really, um, really overwhelming, uh, in, in a way, not overwhelming, I should say, but just, just, just dope. I, I, I was yeah. really kind of taken aback by it. And then I'm on like the runway in South Korea about to fly back to, to LA and we had exchanged numbers and then I got a FaceTime from Shaq and I'm he's like, what's up legend. And he's like, fucking, you know, he's sorry. Can we curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. Say whatever, oh, okay, like, cool. Whatever the it's fuck like, you want. We're good. Second. Okay, cool. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. It, it's like second nature for me, but yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, um, he was, uh, uh, just, I, I've always appreciated his approach to getting in the game. Basically he was, he always took a very humble approach and was just like, yeah, because, you know, he could, he could do whatever he wants at this point in his, in his life. You know right. what I mean? He's, 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 he's set, you know? So, um, I always appreciated his approach to the game. And then, yeah, we talked about like, I think he was like, yeah, we should, we should do a show together. I was like, back then I was like, Oh, I have this big show at the Palladium in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know if you want to come out and play with me. And then he did, he came out unannounced, played with me. It was like most meaningful show of my career. Honestly, I, I sold out the Palladium had like all friends and family over there. And, um, yeah, it, it was just super dope, um, to, to have him come out, play back to back with me, Crazy. And um, yeah, he's always just been a been a really good dude, honestly. Yeah, no, he seems like it, and he seems like you said humble. He approaches it from the right perspective. He gives props to all the people he truly is musical, you know, fans of, and he can do yeah. whatever he wants. But he still he comes into it the right way, plays whatever he wants. It seems like, um, yeah, and it's just yeah, dope. He- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say he, that you hit it on the head when you said like, he really wants to do it the right way. Yeah. Like he really wants to, um, you know, approach it from the right angle and, 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 you know, he's, he's, he's open to learning just as much as the, the rest of us are open to learning and, and, and observing, you know, what's going on in the scene, what kind of music he's playing, making the music, all that. So, um, yeah, I, I got tremendous respect for him not just as a, a peer now in, in dance music but like as a as a human being he's just always been a great dude yeah yeah he seems like a great dad and like everything just like all around great person um and it's so dope like to see how music can just make everything come full circle like you're a kid growing up in la watching kobe and Shaq, watching wwe driving by the palladium you know probably going to see shows there and then next thing you know you know you put in mad work and you're 
selling out the Palladium. Shaq's hitting you up. You're flying back from Korea. You're, you know, all these things are just coming together. And, uh, you know, and, if, and, and that was somewhat in an early part of your career as Valentino Khan was, like, blowing up, right? I wouldn't say early. I mean, like, the Palladium show, I think, was, uh, well, it was, it was like, a year before, was it 2019? Oh, okay. I remember now. I'm, so, yeah. Years are blown together. But it was, it, yeah. was, it was fairly recent. Like, it was, like, <clears throat> yeah, I want to say it was, yeah, it was 2019 because it was right, right. before, uh, it, you know the world shut down and all that. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, it, you're right though. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see a lot of my interests, even like my childhood interests, like that I've right. been into since I was a kid, like, uh, sort of in, somehow it integrated itself with music. Like it, it, I think it just speaks to like the intersectionality of like music, with just everything in the world. It's, yeah. it's just like, there's you know there's music in sports there's music in movies there's music in pretty much everywhere you go like you know what i mean it's like it's everywhere and i think um if you put the most authentic version of yourself out there into the world um which i've tried to do yeah and you know not shy about like man i I love pro wrestling i love the lakers you know all this stuff and it's it's just like um it ends up in a weird way coming back full circle. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, I think you're you're one of those people that really does put their put the genuine the gen like the, the genuine version of themselves out there, and also at the same time you don't take yourself too seriously though. You know, you're just like I'm here to have fun no, and do dope shit. <laughs> yeah, I just like it's we're all making like beep boop computer noises <laughs> at the end of the day, so okay. it's just like. I can't take that. Don't get me wrong. There is artistry to it, but it's yeah, like, of course. you can't take it too seriously. You know what I mean? And like, I like, I'm always, like you said, I'm a big fan of just like, just be you. But like, if it's, if it's a, a magnified version of yourself, sure. But like be you. And, and I think, um, you know, people will gravitate toward that in an organic way rather than yeah, you've with something that's like you're just playing a part right. no one's buying it like, and the just, people just that are you. gravitating to it are the same way i mean it's like someone like Shaq, yeah. or but even in the music world people like diplo dylan francis skrillex like a lot of the people you work with i feel like have a similar uh thing about them you know what i mean where they they make really dope music and they work really hard but they don't take themselves too seriously you know and put out a lot of genuine things about themselves yeah, I think um, <clears throat> you're just going to end up living like a really like uncomfortable life if you're constantly like having to put on right like a, a, like an act. I mean, so I guess some people do it and stuff, but like for me personally, it's just it's a lot of unnecessary energy that I think you're expending when you're doing that. So I, I just try to be me, and um, uh, hopefully people like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like growing up in LA what kind of music did you listen to growing up and how'd you get into music production and DJing and all that? I was just listening. Well, I shouldn't say just, I was listening to, you know, I always listen to every genre of music pretty much, but like, right. Oh yeah. I was growing up, growing up listening to rap music, you know, it was, it was Snoop and Dre or, or, you know, like dog pound, all that stuff. Like yep. everything that was just like, like West coast radio basically. And then, um, yeah, I, I got into dance music just cause like, I mean, I was, I was making rap beats at the time um and then i i my brother i passed by his room one day yeah. and uh he was listening to justice oh, and okay. I, I, that really caught my ear and then i said uh you know just start giving me music and then slowly slowly i got into the music a little more and i got into um uh then it was like oh maybe i'll try to make this music and then um from from there on out um slowly slowly just made music oh you got to learn how to dj to really have a career at this okay i'm gonna learn how to dj so i really just got into it just from liking the music and wanting to mess with it and make it and then um after that yeah long story short just yeah. put it out on the put it out on the internet built a fan base put it in the work etc etc and like yeah right just easy boom like that no <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah, what is yeah definitely not easy I mean, <laughs> no i, I know people, yeah I think people at the beginning especially had trouble placing like who I was, but like right. I've always like, I've kind of kept my music very versatile and I, I make a little bit of everything. So like people are like, Oh, is he a, 
see a Mumbaton guy at first. It's like, no, I'm more than that. And it's like, is he just, is he just a trap guy now? It's like, no, it's like, oh, is he just a house guy? But wait, he also made all this other shit. So now I think people kind of understand that like, I kind of like, yeah, I would say like house music is probably my bread and butter on the artist side of things. Right. But, um, <clears throat> I still do whatever the fuck I want, which is refreshing. You know, I think that's the best part of, of, have it like being we're you know we're essentially producers that um that have that that are our own artists and i think that's really cool where we're like traditional producer role was always just like um you know working with an artist on their project and you know kind of they get the final say and i love that too don't get me wrong it's, it's a whole different set of challenges and it's a really it's something i still do it is it's exciting for me yeah but um in terms of like you know, you being the captain of your own ship as an artist, when you're, you're making, you know, you, you're a producer. That's really cool. You know what I mean? Like it's really refreshing and you do whatever you want. There's no rules. That's the coolest part. Right. And like for people that don't know, like you said, you produced a lot of hip hop stuff back in the, not back in the day, but like probably 10 years ago or so. Right. Um, or more, uh, for like TI, I mean, two chains, BOB, stuff like that. Yeah, a little more recently, but like, yeah, like, um, yeah, I produced those records. I did, um, I did Bubble Butt from Major Laser. I did, um, uh, uh, Welcome to the Party, which is like the main song with like low, low pump of French Montana. Yeah. yeah. Like just uh, big room, the, crazy. The yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then most recently I did, uh, Oops with, uh, Gravy and Lil Wayne. Oh, really? Uh, which was great, yeah. Oh, dope! I didn't realize that you you produced that. That's dope. Yeah, um, it it came together. Actually, it didn't come together pretty quickly. Like the idea of it came together pretty quickly, but then it was kind of a long process going back and forth and um, really? getting that record across the finish line. But it was uh, it was definitely a fun one. Nice, yeah. That's yeah. That, that's great. I mean, I feel like you know your personal like Valentino Khan, the music that you put out as yourself. You know, the artist has such like a universal appeal in the sense of like DJs, like I was saying before, and like you really mastered the art of like keeping it simple, but dope, you know, like you, I feel like you're probably good at editing, like, and pulling stuff back out of it or something. Um, like when I hear yeah. your songs, they're like straight to the point. Like there's no filler or bullshit. A lot of them just like start right away. Um, yeah, it's um, I'm a big fan of if, if you have two ideas, idea A and idea B. Yeah. And idea B is this, like just as good as idea A, but it's a simpler form. I'm going to go with idea B because it's just it's 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 easier to process, I think. And it's it's more pleasant to listen to, I think. Right. Um, so it's yeah, I'm not a big fan of like just getting into a, into a pissing contest and making like the the most stuff in a, in a song just for the sake of doing that. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I like to, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I like to keep it simple. And I think there's this beauty and simplicity. It's like, you can make something that, um, like I said, it's just as powerful as a really complex idea, but it's so straight to the point that like, you're like, yes, this is what it, what it is. And I think that's, um, plus when you're doing that and you're working with an artist, especially like there's, when you're keeping it simple, there's just more room for them to shine. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's kind of crazy. If you listen to like rap beats these days compared to like rap beats of like, you know, like 2002 even. Yeah. It, there's just so much more going on. And now it's like, it's some of these beats are just drums and some of them are, are like have a synth line, but it's just so filtered down that like, it's, it's so muffled because like, it's just really just letting whoever the vocalist is shine. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting how it's progressed into that, you know? Yeah, totally. And I wonder if your background with hip hop production and starting in that world, like, you know, like shows itself through your production now in a way, having to strip back the stuff for the artists and the rappers and stuff like that. And then when you, you know, when you make your house tracks or whatever style you're making, they're still minimal. And it's good for DJs too to be able to either scratch on or put acapellas on or remix or figure out how to mix it cool in their set. Yeah, well, you're probably right about that because, like, honestly, like the even the, I mean, pretty much all, all my artists, you know, songs have vocals on them. You know what I mean? So in order yeah. to do that, you have to be able to um, make something dope, but allow enough space to like operate um, uh, with, you know, within 
those confines for like a vocalist. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it, it's it, it's a different challenge too because it's like it's a little more louder and in your face compared to like you know producing for someone else necessarily. But like, right? It's it's cool. It's it's uh it's definitely like something that like I always want to incorporate vocals whenever I can, right? Into all my music. So yeah. How do you like give your track? direction when you're producing it but while still keeping it so minimal like do you have a certain like you know template or structure that you try to place it into once you have the parts you like no not really um it, it, you know the, like the point of inspiration though for me is always like it could be the vocal or it could be just it could be a drum idea it could be a synth line you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's always um it's always interesting what what like um sparks that but then <clears throat> i just have to like remind myself like well what's the when i'm like when i'm like kind of having the vision for how the song's gonna go like what's the identity of this song you know what i mean like right. like I, I don't produce like a bunch of emotion i produce like more mathematically but like what what sound what kind of emotion what vibe for lack of a better term yeah do you uh do, you know do you are you going to pull from this? So whatever element I'm adding into uh, the track, I'm like keeping that in mind. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and, and how did you like first get into even doing the hip hop production? Like did, did you have any influential producers or music makers like around you at the time? Uh, not like directly around me, but I, I saw, you know, of what, you know, like Dr. Dre, Neptune's, yeah. Timbaland were doing at the time and um and uh yeah it just didn't, it was like oh so I, like that, that was like it's kind of the first time that it, it started to become mainstream to like figure out who is the producer on the on the records you know what I mean and then you're like oh or at least for me because I was kind of young and then I was like oh okay so these guys do this this and this on the beat like that they make the beat you know what i mean yeah. that's what they do okay oh timbaland is in the background of the Aaliyah videos but he's doing all the little ad-libs who is he oh he's yeah he's 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 making all the music behind her right so like that that's that's kind of the first time i uh i kind of got uh, exposed to it for lack of a better term and then i was like that's pretty cool right i know it's funny how much we take for granted how like we know everything about everything now and uh but coming up you forget how like naive we were in a way like because I remember go I grew up here in LA too and I remember going to all these raves and I couldn't see that the DJs were like on turntables I didn't know what they were doing I thought they were making the music yeah. you know I'm like 16 years old and I'm looking up at them I'm like we I was going to, like insomniac like way back in the day like the the beginning beginning ones like in illegal you yeah. know warehouses in downtown and I'm like, they're making all the music. And then they do like a two by four or back to back or whatever. And I thought they were making it. It wasn't until my friend got turntables and got like a drum and bass record and a hip hop record and a scratch record. And we started putting it together. And I'm like, oh shit, they're just DJing. And I finally got to see the booth. But yeah, it's funny how yeah. you start, put, you know, your young brain starts putting it all together. It's funny. I think that's the biggest misconception for like people that are watching the performances is yeah. like, they're making the music right there. It's like, dude, if that was the case, like we would need like eight arms and like eight brains to like do that because it's like, that would be so uh, difficult. But like, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of cool though how it, you know, how it actually works is like, you know, you're building your own fan base through your own music and then it almost serves as an advertisement for people to come to your shows in, in many ways. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I want to hear him play that live or like, you know, how he mixes it with other things, you know? So it's, um, it's crazy how it all works and it's taken off, but yeah, it's, um, it's kind of one side feeds the other. Right. You know? And you got into DJing after you were putting out music production, right? Yeah. I was, I started off as a producer first. I was just messing around making, like I said, just making rap beats. Then I found out about dance music and then I was like, Oh, Oh, you see? So all, all these guys DJ, that's, that's why, right. Like, that's how they, that's how, that's how it works. So I was like, okay. So I learned. Yeah, no, I remember being in Vegas and I would just DJ all these bottle service clubs and open format things. And then all of a sudden thing, you know, Avicii and people started coming, coming to Vegas and they had never DJ, you know, they would just like, they had to perform their records and they had to figure out a way. And it became like the thing, you know, that producers, okay, you, you put out the records, you build your fan base and then you go DJ. And it seems like now some of them are 
bringing different things into their shows if they play guitar, do keyboards, you know, or whatever they want to. Not like they have to. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's been been a crazy evolution, you know, to see all that. Um, so when you DJ, are you, like, flexible in your sets at all? Do you do anything on the fly, or you try to just make specific sets and edits and stuff for your your DJ sets? I, I- yeah, I definitely definitely can improvise. I mean, like you still even if the the most, you know, like dialed in sets, you still can read the crowd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um it becomes a little bit trickier when you're doing like a like a very dialed in like show production stuff. But like I mean the most fun I have sometimes DJing is like when I'm playing in Vegas and I'm I'm just like <clears throat> oh, okay, they're they're really feeling the rap shit right now. Like let me just like keep going, throw throw on some more records, you know. Yeah. Uh in this section or like like uh oh the house stuff is kind of working right now like let's keep keep this going you know what i mean or like yeah or sometimes it's like oh this isn't working like they're they seem kind of like they wanted this other shit like let's switch it up you know what i mean so it's um you still gotta like gotta be able to read the crowd and i think uh and um the right situation you gotta understand what like what situation calls for what you know what i mean yeah yeah, totally. I mean, that's what it's all about is like re- being able to read the crowd and, and do that. Do you do you DJ off record box like with the USB stick? Uh, yeah, just the USB stick. Yeah. Dope. And so it's a little bit harder, I feel like, to maneuver. But if you have it like do you have a special way you organize it to be able to like go on the fly or by genres or anything? Yeah, that's the only thing. Well, I, I want to say because I just finally DJ for the first time on, on the CDJ 3000s. Yeah, and I want to say this because it's a touch screen. Like the search is way better on it now. Right. Um, where like yeah, like sometimes I'm I'm playing in a certain environment. I'm like, oh, I, I want to throw in this random record that I don't usually play. Maybe it's like an older rap record or some shit like that. And then I'm like, oh, it's so hard. To, like sometimes you only have like 15 seconds to mix out or something. You know right. What I mean? Until a mix out point. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, hopefully. I want to say the new CDJs have a better search function, but like that's um, um, otherwise, yeah. At least previously, you know, just you had to stay um, as organized as possible. Yeah, that's why I noticed sometimes. Yeah, people get stuck in like the one zone, or they're trying to go off the key, and it's just t- turned into like a stagnated, like same baseline, you know, key and everything over and over. But yeah, the, the mm-hmm. three thousands are are dope. Like I. I was just down at Pioneer trying to learn them and and get on my record box game and and you know go with the search thing. I still like Serato, but I want to be able to be confident on on the three thousands and I just yeah, like the feel of sure. them. Yeah, they're dope. Yeah, um, yeah. It's um uh the one I saw before I played. Uh, where was the show? Uh, I think it was in, in I want to say in Houston. Um, and I was like. I asked on Twitter. I was like, um, yeah, I saw is there it. anything I should know before I should do it and the, before I should play on them? And um, they were like, everybody kind of across the board was just like, don't make sure you don't touch the touch screen. Yes. Because that'll just fuck up whatever's going on, basically. Yeah. I know. I saw that. I saw your tweet and then I looked at the replies because I'm like, I had just used them for the first time too. And I saw yeah. almost everybody was like, don't lean on the screen. Watch out for the screen. Don't touch the screen. Watch out. You know, exactly. I was like, holy shit. I didn't even think about that that much when I was doing it, but um, that is somewhat of a danger. Like, I wonder if you could, there must be a way to turn touch screen on and off if you just like. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's possible because you can still think scroll so. through with the wheel, right? Yeah, yeah scroll. I mean, I, just I, in case you're in a crazy environment or one of those boiler room things where everybody's right on top of you. Or, yeah, or just like, I don't know, sometimes like some moisture could get on. I don't know if yeah. how protected it yeah. is from like that. You know what I mean? So it's just like um, I could easily see that that kind of, kind of getting messed up. But like, yeah, it was pretty seamless. Like when I got on it, it was just like, Dope. oh, it just felt like the, the 2000s were like, oh, it's just bigger screen now. Right, just you bigger know. screen. I feel like the jog yeah. wheel thing's a little bit smoother, like for scratching and stuff. But I don't even know. It might be like placebo. It's, it's more sensitive for sure. Yeah, it was like a bit more sensitive. Like, I always dial it all the way up, and then um, it's it's definitely more sensitive when you're trying to like nudge it. Yeah, right. so I'm like, you gotta be a little gentler with it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. True. I know. I need to get a pair just to be able to practice and you know yeah. feel comfortable on them. Um, yeah. And, um, and as far as, um, 
like you know like you said you've been djing out you've been back in public and playing actual shows not just streams and stuff um what are the crowds like loving right now for the most part what's the stuff that's been working for you the most um everything honestly because people have been starved from <laughs> live music for so party. long you know yeah yeah, I mean, definitely, like, I think definitely house music has evolved to, like, a more, like, like techier place in a way. So, like, right. playing a little bit of those records, it, you know, it sounds fresh playing those. Um, but, like I said, mostly overall, it's just, like, people have been starved for I know hearing live music, so. Yeah, I mean, I was in Vegas last weekend, and it was nuts. You know, you just see everybody, like, ready to fucking <laughs> just party and go fucking crazy. Is there any... um you have any like go-to songs you drop in your sets all the time or any of your own songs that you make special edits of and then save it for a certain part in your set or something? Um, yeah, I definitely have, have, have a certain amount of those edits. Like I said, it was cool playing the WWE stuff because I got to like yeah. mix um, like the actual like like actual stuff I would play normally with um, like pro wrestling themes, which was kind of like it was just so interesting to be able to incorporate that like make it work yeah totally that's yeah. dope um and um and so like as far you know back to the uh the, like talking about that wwe stuff would you ever like be in a wrestling match if they asked you to or like become your own character in there yeah sure i mean i actually did throw uh, right before um before covid i threw um like an EP release party yeah. Uh, for, for my EP I, I had done. Um, and we did it at this, this, this warehouse in, in LA. And um, we actually had like live pro wrestling going on oh my God. while we were DJing, That's which great. was just like, as you could might imagine, was just like sensory overload to like <laughs> everybody that was there. Yeah. Everybody got real, real drunk that came through. They were just like, what is going on? This is like the best thing ever. <laughs> and I actually, I, I ended up doing like a run in, at the towards the end of the matches, and um, I gave I, uh, I don't know if you watch pro wrestling ever, but I gave a stone cold stunner yes. to someone. That's you incredible. Know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, I could see them. I mean, after you DJing that, I mean, I feel like they need to bring you in to DJ, make music for them, and then actually have like a, a match with somebody or something. Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any um, DJs or producers like you're cool with that um, you think are related to any like wrestling personalities at all? Like similar in the in both worlds. Person, I, I mean, I would say like if anybody's a pro wrestler that also DJs, it's like Carnage. <laughs> yeah, like I True. I just love the energy he puts out there and he just, he's just so like, it feels like he's cutting a promo. Like every time he, like <laughs> he's either on Instagram or on the mic and, you know, I do some of that, That's but he's true. really like, he's, he's just such a, an amazing character. I love him. Yeah. And um, as far as like, like going to the matches and stuff, I always go with like um, my boy 12 planet. Um, yeah. Like he's diehard about, uh, about all that. So yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. 12 planet is the man. He's a, uh... Yeah, I mean, I love his music, you know, for so long. And I got to actually hang with him, like, I don't know, it must have been 10 years ago at some Red Bull thing uh, up in, I don't know where we were, Aspen. Yeah, we, like, had the longest talks about drum and bass and being in L.A. and just all that stuff. He's such a cool guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, like, you know, you seem, like, you're cool with so many people in the industry from producers, DJs, and you seem like you collaborate with a lot of people. Um, I know you have the new song with Nitty Gritty that came out like a month or two ago. Um, and uh, you also have that group with 4B now, right, called Hulk Gang. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what's like, what's, you know, have you guys done any shows together? Or I know you're going to, to Chicago in October, but have you done anything before that? Yeah, we've done some, done some back to backs together. I'm trying to remember where else we played, but. Um... I want to say we did something in maybe did we do something in Florida? I don't know, but like uh, it's always just like oh, we did something in, in uh, Southern California. I think one of like the like the New Year's ones. So it was kind of like a countdown show. I think that's what it was, right? Um, and um, yeah, it's always just funny because like the the basis of our name even it's just like I, I like always have hypnotic on my writer, and he has Hennessy, and then. <laughs> 
you make an incredible home together. So yeah, that's kind of where the name came from. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. Yeah. I saw a picture mm-hmm. of you guys both downing it and I, I wasn't sure like the connection yeah, that's, there, that's, but that's, that's everything you need to know really. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you actually drink it? Like every, every show you get that bottle? <laughs> I would say I do get the bottle every show. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say I drink it every show, but I get it every show. Right. It's yeah. available. It's available. It might not be that healthy, but uh, you got it on deck, ready to pour yeah. in people's mouth. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and you just played at Electric Zoo um, and Beyond Wonderland. And what were those like? Just pure craziness, like you said? Electric Zoo was awesome. Beyond Wonderland, honestly, it might have been one of my, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my favorite crowds I played for. Really? Um, Why? Once again, like I, I just felt like everyone was just starving for, yeah. like live music, especially like it's Southern California. It's like home for me, and I think people were just. I felt like people were just on another level, just extra excited. Um, that show was incredible. Right. And like another show, I think you just posted about that looked like one of those lifetime remember it forever shows was with Alice in Wonderland at Red Rocks. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was that like? That, that was that was awesome. I mean, Red, Red Rocks, such a legendary venue. It's yeah. really scenic uh, when you're playing there, especially like just roaming around. And like the thing I love is just that Red Rocks is like it's amphithe- amphitheater style seating or standing, right. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And um, so you can literally see every face of every person in the crowd. Yeah. And I think that's it's cool when you're when you're playing, you're able to look, like literally like make eye contact with like whoever you you know, you want at the time, basically. And it's, um, right. uh, yeah, that was a dope show. We got, we, so we have a song together too, um, called anything. Yeah. Um, but which was, you know, kind of killing it over the quarantine, but we never got to play it out live together. Right. Um, and that was the first time we got to like actually play it out live together. So that was a cool moment too. Yeah. Really cool. I saw the video that you posted about it and, um, yeah, it looked like kind of emotional, you know, dope to be able to play it there too, of all places and be with her. Yeah. Yeah. I think if there was any, um, any place that would have been dope to, uh, finally be able to play that song, it was there that night. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a cool moment. That's dope. Is there any, um, like new people you've discovered maybe over the quarantine or just recently that are making dope music that you're a fan of? Uh, I think there's this dude, uh, there's this dude shade. I, I, I put, put him on a couple of shows on mine too. And he's really talented. Yeah. He's kind of gone, gone from even making like kind of like West coast house sounding music to like, and they were like all bangers to like, now he's like really doing his own vocals and, and like, uh, just stepping it up, um, to another level. And I really have been a fan of watching his progression and, and, and seeing what he's, he's been doing. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him for sure. I think I've heard some of his music, but I got to check it out some more. Mm-hmm. And um, and your most recent song you came out with was "Stop Talking," right? Uh, late last month yeah. or in in August, I think. Um, and that one's dope. I mean, like I said before, your music is it's all over the place, but cohesive. You know, it's it makes sense yeah. even though it's there's no rules to it. It's just. But everything I've ever heard is dope. Like you're definitely someone who focuses on quantity over quality or sorry, on quality yeah. over quantity, you know, because yeah. like you don't some people just coming out with endless shit and I got to go through it all the time. I'm on these record pools and whatever. And your shit like you'll come out of the song and it's just like dope right away. And you just have to figure out how to fit it in your set, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I try to just not miss you know what i mean and like, right i don't think i do very often just because I'm, I'm really picky with what i put out and and, and like um just uh, yeah i'd rather just not be like just putting out a bunch of bullshit just to keep my name right in the conversation and then it's just everything just ends up getting watered down and like you're not even happy with the product you're put, putting out so i got to be happy with it too and yeah i'd rather deliver quality to people than than just like i said just putting out a bunch of random stuff just to satisfy like a quota almost you know what i mean so it's like yeah. um yeah i definitely like um like making sure everything is dialed in and making sure like it's what i want to put out right now you know what i mean so it's all just got to make sense yeah totally um well those songs are dope and they're totally different i feel like Thank the you. stop talking one is like 
not mellow, but like more mellow than the um, nitty gritty one, which is a bit yeah, more hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's more of a banger for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Stop Talking is more like a vocal. It still bangs, but it's just in yeah. a different way. It's just like more of a vocal house record. Yeah. Right. Still bangs, but it has that vocal thing and the build up. And then um, when it kicks in, it, it is hard, but it, it's smooth at the same time somehow, like magically. Yeah. <laughs> you brought that together. Um, is there any like stuff, you know, as far as the DJ world that you still want to learn to be able to do or incorporate into your sets? Like literally DJing? Yeah, like literally just the um, DJing part. Um, I mean, it'd be cool to le- learn how to scratch a little more. I mean, I, I've, I've been, I can do like the most basic right. shit, you know, and I still like kind of scratch out of records and stuff too. Sometimes I'll scratch into them. Yeah. But like, that would be kind of cool, honestly. But um, it would need to be like, it would need to be like, I think for it to, to work for like my fan base, if I was a turntablist, like if I was like craze or a track or something, I could just do that all day. But I think for, for, for me to incorporate it into like my sets, I would need to like have a, like a moment to, yeah. to do that. You know what I mean? Just like just doing it all over the place. And it needs to be like, Oh yeah, shit, he's really doing that. Yeah. I think it's just like the production. It's just like what you said, like, you could create every sound ever and stack them up and make the most complex, weird thing, but you don't need to. You'd rather just edit it down. And same thing with scratching and cutting over, you know, in and out of songs. Like, you could, you know, you can have the skill to do it all, but you have to have, like, do it tastefully for it to work, especially for people to dance to. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's all got to make sense, you know what I mean? And, like... um but like that's why sometimes it makes sense to like kind of compartmentalize those moments within your set. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if that makes sense for you, you know what I mean. Everybody has a different act, different background of how they got into all this stuff. So um, yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it's all it's all just like you said. It's all got to be cohesive and make sense. You have any people that you want to collab with, whether it's like producers or a dope, you know, live set with a drummer. Like, I don't know any, anything like that, yeah. that you would want to do. I mean, in terms of a rapper, I would just like Kendrick Lamar is at the top of my list. 21 Savage for sure. Yeah. I would say, uh, in terms of, um, dance music people, I've always really wanted to collaborate with boys noise. He's been someone like, I've always like, um, yeah. Loved his music since the beginning. Um, kind of was part of like the inception of me getting into dance music. So I think that would be really dope to like, work on a record with him honestly oh that would be super dope because he's similar to you where he makes funky shit he knows how to make it minimal it bangs right away he doesn't put out endless songs like definitely i think you guys are cut from the same cloth in that respect um and yeah i I mean yeah he definitely was a big influence when i when i um you know first got into it of just like making very boundary pushing music and like some of sometimes it was just like really distorted or just like really really um weird in a, in a good way yeah so uh, yeah i've always like tried to um not necessarily make the same exact sounds but like uh, embody that same like spirit in my music of just pushing things forward and um uh like put just pushing boundaries you know what yeah I mean? yeah that makes sense um and um like i said i was looking at your tweets before i saw you saying about you know first time playing on cdjs tonight and i saw you writing some other stuff um, and you were saying that you recently gifted a vintage pro wrestling shirt to a baby and you've never felt so accomplished yeah. in your life. What's the story behind that? Did you actually do that? I did actually do that. Um, it was like a, a, a newborn baby, um, <laughs> ex- extended family friend. And right. I, I, uh, I was like, I, you know what happened actually is I was trying to order a shirt for myself <laughs> and I didn't realize I, I like it was a youth shirt. Yeah. So I get it in the mail and I'm like, it's like this big. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I can't make any use of it. So might as well spread, spread the love, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's nice. You've introduced the baby yeah. at a young age. Uh, exactly. Body slamming their brother when they're four years old. Um, yeah. I, I also, uh, I saw you writing, where should I eat in Columbus, Ohio? Where did you yeah. end up eating? Like, did, did you I ended up eating at a, at a really pretty good mexican spot they had good drinks really? and um and i uh, got some al pastor tacos which were like i'll give them give them a, give them an eight out of ten i mean that's pretty big for ohio i think for columbus ohio i wouldn't expect it but no they did it they, yeah that's that's crazy yeah ohio has some weird food i feel like cincinnati is where they put 
that skyline chili all over the spaghetti and crazy shit. Oh yeah, it's like and the Midwest. It, it's I feel like it would be so uh, tough to like live there and eat healthy. <laughs> oh yeah, there's just so much stuff. You know, I know. Well, I mean, you're like super into food as well, right? Growing up here in LA. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that's a big part of life, honestly. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, especially here, like, See, we have access to everything. Like, even last yeah. night, my eight-year-old son, like, I'm taking him to sushi, you know, and they're asking, like, is he okay with this and that? And I'm like, honestly, like, he he knows what's up. You know, like, I've been breaking him in, you know, bringing him here, bringing him there, and having him try this and that. Um, so I think growing up in LA as a kid, you get sort of exposed to so many different tastes and things from all over the world, which is dope. Yeah, I think it's that's one of the, my favorite things about LA is just like we literally have like it's just a melting pot of every culture, which translates also into the food. It's just like we we have every kind of cuisine here. With if you're craving Japanese one night, you can get that. If you're craving Mexican the other night, you can get that. It's like and there and there's a bunch of options for all of them. It's not like oh, this is the Mexican spot in town. It's like no, it's like it's like there's all this all these different options. So it's cool to like be able to have that like at your disposal out here in LA. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What, um, so like through all these gigs you've done, you know, whether it's the beginning or now, have you ever had any like bad gigs or awkward things or gross things like happen at, at any of them that you could think of off the top or they're all pretty. I I wouldn't say anything gross or or (laughs) weird. I mean, definitely the weirdest thing was, uh, I was playing a show in, in the Bay area in San Francisco. Yeah. This was years ago. And it was one of those shows where, like, you know, it was an earlier earlier show in my career where the, the security wasn't that, like, uh, you know, strict or whatever. And, like, right. people just ended up, like, coming up on stage and shit and just, like, <laughs> partying on stage. People just spilling drinks and shit. Everybody was getting drunk. And then all of a sudden I see, like, I see this dude, like, walking through the crowd. And he's, like, parting parting the crowd like like Moses. And it's just, like, they're all, like, going like that. He's walking straight to the stage from the, all the way from the back. And I'm, like... Yo, wait, I stopped the music. I was like, this dude has a fucking, like, a wolf dog on his shoulders. What? It's like, this dude's got a fucking wolf on his shoulders, and he just came into the club. And then somehow he made his way all the way on the stage, and he's just dancing with his dog and stuff. And I asked, like, the artist hospitality girl, I was like, how did this guy get a fucking giant husky wolf dog into the club? And she's like, I don't know. He said it was, like, a, a service dog. I'm like... A service. Nobody's gonna put a service dog on their shoulders. Like what? Okay. And then I I talked to the guy. I was like, um, I was like, yo, what's up with the dog? Like, why why did you bring it? Like, what's up with it? And he's yeah. just like, she's a Burning Man dog, man. Like, I take her everywhere with me, man. And I'm like, that's insane. I, I don't think the dog could like hear, obviously. Which is I don't I don't know how that happened, but the dog couldn't hear. Dancing with a wolf. I mean, I don't think so. Otherwise, it'd be like freaking out. It was well, like that's what I'm saying. Them, I know right? when I see people with dogs, I was at some event like some a couple weeks ago or like a weed event. My friend's DJ and this dude's walking with his little puppy like right in front of the speakers. And I'm like, this, this, I don't think no that's, that's cool, fun. man. Like, no. It, imagine how we feel like I have to wear earplugs and shit at these oh, gigs. Yeah. I mean, my ears at this point ring nonstop, you know, just from years of this yeah. shit. So like. I can't imagine a dog. Well, maybe that's why it was the Burning Man dog. So it's just been through endless shit. It's, and he's just like desensitized. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like that's the only way because it was so calm and chill and just like right, just like hanging, just hanging. He's like I'm back on Jeff's shoulders, just rolling through the club. Like <laughs> exactly, it's just like Jeff's shoulders is is like, like that's every, everyday thing for him. Every day, what the fuck? Yeah. That is that's yeah. pretty nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is there any, um, I actually saw earlier you were like shooting hoops and stuff like, um, you know, it seems like you're pretty good at a lot of things and, you know, we haven't even gotten into all the nerdy (laughs) stuff, but like you're good at mastering and mixing, I'm sure and the sound design and all your stuff sounds so great and all that. But is there anything you're bad at, like, or just hilariously bad at, whether it's in music or just life? Um, I never thought I was good at like making dubstep or anything like that. And I never really, I, I tried it. I'd always have these attempts. And like one day, like finding like DJ snake, it like recent, like, well, it was over in 2020. Yeah. Like asked me to remix that song, trust nobody that he did. And I was just like, I had made, had so many attempts at making kind of a dubstep sonic record. And then I finally like just figured it out. 
Yeah. But like, I feel like that was just like, I just did that, that time. And like, now if I try to make it again, it's, it's like whatever, but like, right. Yeah. I've never really like, like bottled that or like been able to grasp that really. But, um, uh, I wonder why, like what, what's the difference of that compared to all, cause you know. make so many different genres. I, I don't, I don't know. I honestly think if I probably sat in the studio with someone that like makes nothing but it, I'd be like, Oh, right. Like I've never done that. So yeah, true. Yeah. Is there, is there any one, you know, any of your peers that you've really gotten a lot of inspiration from or, or tips or sitting in the studio with them, like learned a lot? Um, I wouldn't just, it's like mostly like little things here and there mostly, but I think early on I would say like, um, bro safari was a guy that always, um, like I, 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 at the beginning I was like, I kind of aspired to be as good of, uh, as good at my mixed downs as he was. Oh, his shit is and then incredible. He would give me, he would give me tips and, and little tips here and there. And then I think I took what he did and then kind of did my own version of what he was telling me, but like that definitely helped me out, um, early on, um, giving me some tips that were, that were helpful in terms of like, improving my mix down was getting my his drums always hit it really hard so i was like i yeah. need to get my drums to like slap like that you know right and what about like working fast I, I noticed that like some dope producers tend to work pretty fast and not overthink stuff like dylan francis and different people like are you from that school or do you just try to work on one thing as long as it takes and perfect it uh, I mean, it depends. Like, so I honestly always find like the best ideas I have are the ones where like you're just like bam, 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 all right, right. song is done because you just have the you have the full vision of how the the, the song is going to go from point A to point Z, and yeah. you just you just zoom there. So like, but there's other times where I'm like, yeah, you're obsessing and you're tweaking something. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's it's, it's the remixes too because they're like, oh, I like you're just trying a bunch of different drops to like work with a vocal that like, you know, isn't yours in the first place. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, just a kind of a case by case basis when it comes to all that stuff. Right. That makes sense. Um, I, uh, put on the internet for people to ask you questions and got a couple, um, if you don't mind, I'll ask you, uh, yeah, we got Sir Marcus um, asking, what was the process of making Deep Down Low like? Did you know it was going to be such a huge song or was it just something that was fun and cool to make at the time? I can imagine there may have been, there might have been some goosebumps in the studio when the vocals and the drop came together. That's actually a really funny because it, it, it's a great segue from what I was just talking about on the same note. It's like that song came together really quick. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, 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 uh, it, it falls in line with that theory that like, yeah, you, if, if you, if you have like the best ones are just the ones that are just like, bam, they just come out like real quick. Right. And, uh, yeah, I made a beat really late at night. Um, uh, probably like four in the morning. I was like very tired, like half awake. And I just wanted to make something cool that I think thought my friends would play. Right. So I made the beat. And then the next day I'm like, this is cool. But it seems like it's like missing a vocal to it. Um, and then that was the first idea I came up with laid down, just recorded it into the mic and it's your voice. voice. Yeah. And then that, that's how that song came to be. And to answer the second part of that question, no, there were no goosebumps at the time. I I just thought this was a cool record that like my friends would play out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I never knew. And then all of a sudden, just like everybody starts playing it. Like, especially like the, like kind of like the big room, festival guys like uh, Calvin Harris was playing it. Axel and the Grosso were really big and blowing that record up. Afrojack was playing it. Avicii even played it a little bit. Um, so yeah, like uh, uh, it came together really quick. I didn't know how big it was going to get. And then, uh, yeah, it, it just was like the right time to put a record like that out. It was kind of ahead of, uh, the curve, I think, for what people were doing at the time, and in terms of especially incorporating like a vocal on top of the drop, which is kind of rare. Yeah, very rare. It is it is unconventional in the sense of all the other music that was coming out around it, and even to this day. I mean, it, it's somewhat of a classic, timeless track because you can't really tell when it's from. It doesn't sound old like some of the other tracks that are maybe from then. Not that it's that long ago, but still. It's just, yeah. uh, I don't know. It has like staying power. 
I mean, that's that's always the goal when I make make all my songs is like, you know, it's obviously either easier said than done, but it's yeah. like I just want to make songs that stand the test of time. Where like, yeah. yeah, like that record, like I still hear people playing it out. You know, how many? I don't even know how many. It's like six years later. It's yeah. been you know, yeah. uh, and counting. So um, yeah, like it's definitely. Um, it's definitely a, a great feeling when you're able to um, accomplish that and still hear people play, even just like play the vocal of it. You know what I mean? Like, cause like yeah. there's only a certain shelf life where like you can play a song like in its original form, but like, yeah. Yeah, totally. So dope. Yeah. It's definitely classic. Um, Thank you. And uh, let's see. CJ beats, uh, I think from the UK uh, asked, who is his favorite wrestler and why is it The Rock? I I did love The Rock. My favorite wrestler growing up always was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, though. Yeah. Um, And I think he was just, I mean, he was just like, he was just the epitome of not giving a fuck. And I think that's why he appealed to so many people. It's like, just come out. Whoop his boss's ass. He he drink <laughs> drink just fucking chug beer, and fucking give the middle finger to everybody. Just like, just talked his shit always on the, on the microphone. And I think, um, you know, I think probably people that were watching um, felt like it was kind of a, a liberating character to to relate to. Because especially like, you got to think of like the American working class in like the late nineties and like the early two thousands is like yeah. Like everybody, everybody would just like, I'm sick and tired of my boss. I just want to tell my boss, like, fuck you, basically. And like, he did that every night. Right. <laughs> so I think that whole storyline <laughs> with him and, and Mr. McMahon was, um, <laughs> was uh, definitely something that like people found entertaining, but also um, uh, could, could relate to. And I think you got to give credit to Vince too, because he really, um, yeah. he was just so good at playing that, that asshole boss character. It's just like, it's it just nailed it. Like every time. So good. And, and always had like a trick up his sleeve where like you thought that like, you know, whoever he was, he was, he was beefing with was, was going to, um, you know, win, win a match or like get their comeuppance. And then like Vince had, had some, some like, some shady shit that he had done that like prevented them from doing that. Some other, like his, his like goons would run into the ring or something like that. So it, it, he, you got to give credit to him too for, um, you know, um, you need a yin to, to the yang. You know what I mean? So it was a big part of, um, I think putting, presenting Stone Cold in the right light as a character. Right. I mean, yeah, Vince's, like, facial expressions alone. Like, he can convey yeah. some... They're still used for endless memes, you know, now. Like, yeah. because it's so... Good. He can, like, contort his face in, like, so many yeah. crazy ways. <laughs> That's, like, the best. Yeah, he's a very... He's a very... Um, uh, there's definitely a lot of humor in, like, his physical yeah. acting abilities. Exactly. Yeah. Um, are you in the, like... NFT, cryptocurrency, any kind of like that world at all? You dabbling in that? I try to get involved in it. Um, not that's not to say that I, I won't properly educate myself. I just don't right. jump into something when I'm not fully educated on it. And like, yeah. I try to get involved in like crypto shit. And it just started to feel like day trading for me. Totally. And I was just like, you have to really pay attention to all that stuff and pay attention to the trends. And it's a whole nother ball game. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm investing my money wisely, but anything I have to invest in, I need to also be passionate about it because otherwise then I'm just like, it's, there's no get rich quick scheme for, you know, making your money, make money for you. So you really need to like either educate yourself and, or be passionate about what, what it is. So, um, yeah, at least not so far. No, I've not been really. Right. Yeah. I wonder if you could do some kind of collab. It seems like the music world, well, all the different worlds, but in the sports world are like getting deeper and deeper into it. Like, I wonder if WWE is going to have any kind of thing. <laughs> I think they might already have. So I know the NBA has a bunch of the, they, they were really early, early on the, uh, yeah, on they the have NFT top stuff. shot and like all that going yeah. in and I know some soccer stuff, but I would think WWE would be a big thing. I think WWE does, yeah. I I don't quote me on it, but I I feel like I saw something like that once. Right. Yeah, well, they should. I mean, they have have 
they could just do a, a similar thing to Top Shot, where like yeah. they have access to their their entire video library and WCWs and like all these other independent promotions that like right. they own the right they own the rights to all that video, so they can exactly they that's can, what people uh, love about the Top Shot is like they're doing this move, and that's like the thing of wrestling, like they they have their specific move, exactly. you know, so they could own that. Yeah, it could be like, like can you imagine owning the NFT of like mankind getting thrown off the top of the hell in the cell? It's that's like what I'm saying that'd be crazy. Like it's like yeah, people, I don't even know how much that would be worth, you know I mean? Like, how much that would appreciate, too, you know? So A thousand Bitcoin. No, it would be... A, <laughs> they got to get... They got to license your music to have it underneath, and then it would be a whole yeah, full circle. Go. That would be tight. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, doing music stuff, like, what... What continues to push you forward in the music and DJ game? Like, do you have a guiding light or, like, an end goal or something with it? Or kind of just love doing it and do it every day. Yeah. I, I just, I'm very blessed that like I, I'm my own boss and I don't have to work a day job and right. that I, I, my end goal really is, 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 you know, if my legacy is that you, I push music forward. Um, yeah. In terms of the sound of it or like it just, just uh, even inspired, you know, I think yeah. that would be great. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I think that like that it is in essence, like when you ask that question, it's like, it, that's my goal is, is to push music forward, you know? So, right. um, as long as I can keep doing that, um, I think, um, I think I'll, I'll end up in a, in a, you know, when it's all said and done in a place where I'm, I'm, I'm content. Right. Are you going to like put out other people's music or you have any plans to like, you know, build like a, a record label. Kind yeah. Of thing. No, I, 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 cause I've seen a lot of record labels that like, like I feel like record labels um, don't necessarily focus on the right things right. of like, like really taking an artist, developing them, being their A&R, putting them in the, with the right sessions with songwriters. And, and if they do need that, um, and, uh, just really growing an artist and like really being there for them. And I think in order for me to do that, I, I, I would need to devote all my time and energy to that. So like, I wouldn't ever want to sign someone to a deal yeah, and then just have it, them end up being shortchanged in any way. You know what I mean? Like, like really be, um, be involved, and, but at the same time, know how to properly delegate, like, you have to be on top of, you know, whatever that staff is doing, you know, from, from, you know, the interns to, you know, whoever's like, you know, running the, uh, the, the, the marketing and all that. So it's, um, it's definitely something that, uh, would require all my type of time and energy. Right. Yeah. You don't want to like basically rip someone off like, or sell them a false dream. And also that's not what you do. Yeah. I mean, you're focused on music all the time. And, um, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing with all these. Everybody gets so interested in like, I'm doing NFTs, I'm doing cryptocurrency, I'm doing a record label, I'm doing, I'm going to the moon, whatever. Like, if you just focus on the one thing, like making the music, that could lead to so much more than you don't even realize than trying to do every little thing, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really just depends on what your, your end goal is and what your yeah. game is. You know what I mean? True. So, yeah, I think everybody has a different uh, vision of what they want their career to entail. But, like, for me, it's, like, kind of, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to devote that time. Like, I would want to be able to devote that time if I was to do something like that. Right. That makes sense. Well, um, well, shit, man. Thank you for, for taking the time to be here and stuff. Um, before we get out yeah. of here... Do you have any advice for the community or the producers or DJs or, you know, the people out there listening, um, any advice for them or just last words you want to let them know? Um, my advice from the beginning is, is literally just been two things is be original and work your ass off, but it's really be, that's really what's, um, always driven me. And I think it, if, if you're able to do those, those couple of things, you'll, you'll eventually stand out, um, make a name for yourself and, uh, Hopefully the, you know, the, the cream rises to the top eventually, you know? 
that's that's short and sweet you know just like yeah. your, your music production you're good at editing your advice and the songs yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i could tell you i could tell you a whole like novel sized book about it but like if i'm telling you no it's the truth the the essence of what you really need to do that's you know and that's anything i i ever give any advice i ever give to anybody it's like hey this is I'm speaking through my own life experience. Yeah. It may work for you. It may not work for you. Everybody's right. journey is different too, you know? So yeah, I know when people ask me, that. how do I do this or get a gig in Vegas or DJ? It's like, everything's different. We're all different. We're all growing up in different times, different ages, different experiences, different, all that. So you can tell them what worked for you, but it's never going to be just an, a, like a mathematical equation, like two plus two equals four. There you go. No, so. Exactly. But I think what yeah. you said is important, you know, just, yeah, you know, make dope shit, work really hard and just, yeah. um, yeah, dope, man. Well, um, yo, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And, um, everybody yeah, go man. check out your stuff. It's, uh, on all platforms, Valentino Khan, look them up, yeah. bump that shit. And, uh, thank hope, you, man. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate you having me on for sure. All right. Hopefully I'll see you, see you out there in person somewhere rocking it. Yeah, man. All Sounds right. good, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, peace. Cool. Peace. All right, that was incredible. Huge thank you to Valentino Khan for coming on the podcast. Uh, learned a lot. So much fun. Great stories. Can't wait to go see him in person somewhere. Um, thank you guys for listening. All the Beat Sorcerers, keep in touch. Please rate and review the podcast. You know where we are. We are available everywhere from YouTube spotify to apple podcasts all over the place the 20 podcast is produced by beat source join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to djs i'm dj spider signing off peace and that was the 20 with dj spider